Expialidocious morning to you. Today we're beginning a sermon series through the New Testament book of 1 Peter, and we've titled it, drumroll please, 1 Peter. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be walking through this book of the Bible to see what it says about faith and living. Now you might ask, can we trust what the Bible says? That's a good question. There are good answers. Here's one of them. We can trust what the Bible says because it passes three tests that are used to validate ancient literature. First off, it passes the internal evidence test. Does the text actually claim to be true? Yes, the Bible says that it is the true Word of God. Authors were eyewitnesses, and they would have known whether or not it was true, and they were willing to die for that claim. The second test is the bibliographical test. And so with that, think about the telephone game where you whisper a phrase to someone and they whisper the phrase to the next person and on and on and on. And at the end, you see if what is said matches up with the original phrase. Well, when we're thinking about that with the Bible, we want to know is the, the scripture that we have today, does it match up with the original writing? So we're looking at how early and how many uh, original handwritten manuscript copies do we have? How early we have handwritten manuscripts that date to within 50 years of the original writing. We're talking first century AD stuff. How many? We have over 23,000 handwritten manuscript copies of portions of the Bible. That's much earlier and a much greater quantity than any other piece of ancient writing that we generally accept as true. It's not even close. There's not even a comparison. The third test is the external evidence test, and that is, um, is there evidence outside the text that supports the internal claim of, of truth? And yes, there is. There are ancient writings, Christian and non-Christian, that claim Jesus lived, performed miracles, died, and was raised from the dead. There are also archaeological records that support what the text says about different persons and places. So yes, we can trust what the Bible says. Now I want you to think, uh, think about a time that you visited a major city. You were walking on one of the downtown sidewalks. There's people all around, lots of noisy traffic. There's uh, large buildings on your right and on your left. You can't really see past them. You can't see very far, uh, far in front of you. It's very easy to lose your bearings, to lose track of where you are in the city. However, if you go up to the top of a high-rise building and look out over the city, you get the big picture view. You're seeing things from a different perspective. And you say, oh, that's where we were earlier. Look over there, there's the museum and the stadium that we're visiting tomorrow. Oh, wow, look at the river. It looks so small from way up here. It's a different perspective. From time to time, I'll do different things to try and gain a different perspective on life. Uh, like this one time, I decided I needed to buy a pair of old used shoes. So I went to a thrift store, bought a pair, and came back home. And my wife, Debbie, says, why did you buy a pair of old used shoes? And I said, perspective. I wanted to see things from someone else's point of view. You know, like Elvis saying, walk a mile in my shoes before you abuse, criticize, and accuse. Walk a mile in my shoes. Speaking of that, don't ever talk bad about someone until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Now, at that point, they're a mile away. They don't have any shoes. You can say whatever you want. That's not Bible. That's just a bad joke. But we're talking perspective. And the purpose of this sermon today is to give us a little perspective on 1 Peter 
as a whole. So this is going to be an introduction, an overview that will help us understand and apply the Word to our lives as we continue through this book in the coming weeks. So let's get to the text. Uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read the first couple of verses. 1 Peter is towards the end of the Bible, so if you get to Revelation, just turn a few pages back to the left and you will be there. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, the Scripture says this. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and His Spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed Him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. That is the word of the Lord. There's a couple of things that we want to point out here in this greeting. First, the Christians or churches are described as God's chosen people and foreigners. Now, if we're thinking about God's chosen people and we're thinking about the Old Testament, we think about the nation of Israel. And they were to be a testimony before all the other nations of what a people who worship the one true God look like. Well, as followers of Jesus, we're all a part of God's chosen people, that community of faith. And we're to be a testimony to the people around us. They're also described as foreigners. Now, it's not because they were living in a different country or were from a different country. It's because children of God are citizens of heaven. Whether, uh, whether we're living now or whether we're living 2,000 years ago like these original readers, regardless of what state, what country, or what continent we're living on, as long as we're here, we are foreigners because our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, that is our home. The second thing we notice is the Trinity. Now, interestingly, the word Trinity does not appear in the Bible, but the truth is very clearly there, one God in three persons. And in verse 2, this is one of the instances where we see that very clearly, Father, Son, and Spirit. The Father knows each person. The Father knows your name. The Holy Spirit transforms us and gives us new life, gives us new heart, and that's made possible by the blood or the sacrifice of Jesus. So that's the greeting of this letter. Of this letter. Now, if you receive a letter in the mail, it's going to be from a specific person. It's going to be to a specific person, you, and it's going to have a specific purpose. Maybe it's an invitation, maybe it's congratulations or a letter of encouragement, but it's from a specific person to a specific person for a specific purpose. Well, let's talk about the background of this New Testament letter because 1 Peter isn't just some random book we're taking off a library shelf. It was a letter from a person, Peter, to a specific people. Letters in that time, um, well, they were handwritten and they didn't have the postal service they didn't have Amazon Prime next day delivery, and so it would be handwritten, and then someone who was going to be traveling to that area would take the letter and deliver it. Now, this would be a circular letter, so one church would read it, receive the instruction and the encouragement, and then they would pass it on to another church. This letter was written, we're thinking about the, the specific circumstances under which this letter was written. It was written probably from Rome in the early 60s. 
Now, we're not talking 1960s. We're talking AD 60, like 2,000 years ago. And you say, wow, that's a long time ago. Well, look at it from a different perspective. AD 60, that was only 30 years after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. So they would say, wow, it wasn't very long ago when, when Jesus was living and teaching and performing miracles. In fact, Peter was one of Jesus' followers, and he's still living when he writes this letter. The, the letter was from Peter, and it was to a specific people. It was two churches who were scattered across northern Asia Minor. That's modern-day Turkey. I mean, you can get out a map right now, and you can find Turkey on the map. And so this letter was written to churches who were in that area. We think about the specific circumstances or the specific purpose of this letter. Well, uh, Rome at this time was large and in charge. They were the world empire. And so uh, Christians were suffering and enduring some persecution under Rome. The emperor was Nero. And so Peter is writing to these churches to give them some instruction, to give them some encouragement as they were going through that suffering and persecution. And you say, okay, how does that translate to us today? Well, first off, the world is bigger than our city. Around the globe today, Christians and churches are still enduring suffering and persecution because of their faith in Christ. So there's that. And then just in general, this world is tough. Life is hard. To continue to honor and follow Christ can be a real struggle. So Peter's message, his instruction for Christian living in a hard world translates to what you and I are experiencing. If students are learning how to write an essay in school, they learn about an introduction and then the conclusion, and in the middle, you've got the meat of that essay. That's the body. And so in this letter, you've got a greeting, you've got a closing, and in the middle, you've got the body or the meat of it. And there's a little outline that might help us understand this letter. After this greeting in chapter 1, verses 3 through 12, uh, Peter moves into a song of praise, and we read about how Jesus uh, fills us with this inexpressible joy. And then he moves on in chapters, chapter 1, verse 13 through chapter 2, verse 10, to describe a new family identity. And that is, if you are a follower of Christ, you are a new person, you are a part of a new people. And we read things like this, you are royal priests. I think about the little boys and little girls who are wanting to be princesses and princes. I mean, look at, look at how the church, how we are described. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. He has called you into His wonderful, marvelous light. Then he moves on and he talks about some, some specific ways that they are enduring suffering and persecution. And he talks about how you can be witnesses for Christ in those circumstances. So in chapter 2, verse 11, through chapter 4, verse 11, we see suffering as a witness to Jesus. One thing that, that, that he writes here is there's a reason while, why you are enduring this suffering. There's a reason why you, you are believing Christ and, and living for Christ in spite of your circumstances. So always be ready to give an answer. Always be ready to give an explanation for the hope that you have. Uh, 
And then we get in chapter 4, verse 12, through chapter 5, verse 9, to suffering and future hope. He says, right now, you're, you're suffering. Keep on and keep that hope. Remember that you're a citizen of heaven. Keep that hope and know that God will make things right in the end. And so we read things like this. If you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for He will never fail you. In other words, keep on living for Christ in a hard world and entrust your soul to Him. So that's the outline of this letter, 1 Peter. And now, as we kind of wrap this up, let's think just a little bit about the man who wrote this, because Peter... He was a real person. He's the human author of this letter. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit. But Peter is a man that we can relate to and we can learn from. Uh, first off, he was just an everyday, everyday guy. He was a professional fisherman uh, before he started following Jesus. Not too long ago, I went fishing with one of our pastors here, Josh. And we were on his boat and I looked over and he had earbuds in. He was kind of bobbing his head. I said, hey, Josh, what are you listening to? He couldn't hear me because he had his earbuds in. So I said, hey, Josh, what are you listening to? And he said, oh, just something a little catchy. That was free. Uh, I've got one more for you. Uh, why do fish swim in schools? Because they can't walk. All right, so Peter was a fisherman. He was married. His, his name was actually Simon. But when Jesus met him, he, Jesus gave him a new name, Peter, which means rock, because Peter was going to be an important figure uh, for, the, for the early church in, in, the, in the, the, the early Christian movement. Uh, one really cool thing about the Bible is we don't get just cookie-cutter stuff in here. We get the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so with Peter... We see his struggles, we see some of his failures, but we also see his victories uh, and his joy. Uh, Peter was one of the 12 disciples or apostles. He's very prominent in the Gospels and in the first half of the book of Acts. Uh, but he was imperfect. He had struggles. Uh, he put his foot in his mouth. Um, when I'm kicking myself, maybe when you're kicking yourself for something that you've said that you wish you could just put back in... Uh, be reminded of that. Even, even Peter, a guy who wrote part of the Bible, even Peter stuck his foot in his mouth on occasion. Uh, Peter, uh, when Jesus said th told him things are getting really intense, uh, things are getting really important right here, and Jesus asked him to stay alert and to pray, Peter fell asleep on the job. On the eve of the crucifixion, Peter denied knowing Jesus. They said, hey, that guy, he's, you're one of his followers. And Peter said, I, I don't even know him. I've never seen him. So Peter struggled. He had some failures that we can certainly relate to. But he also saw the empty tomb. He was also, just as he denied Jesus, he was restored by Jesus. He was there when the Holy Spirit came on the early church and he preached the sermon when thousands of people came to faith in Christ. He was arrested for his faith in Jesus, but experienced this miraculous escape from prison and continued to teach about Jesus. Church history tells us that Peter ended up suffering martyrdom. That means he was killed for his faith in Christ in Rome under Nero just a few years after he wrote this letter. 
So this guy who walked and talked with Jesus, I mean, we read about the stories, but Peter, he experienced the stories. He was there. Uh, this guy who, who, who walked and talked with Jesus, we read about the parables that Jesus taught. Peter heard Jesus teaching them and then received the, 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 full, the full explanation. This man who walked and talked with Jesus, who we can relate to, who we can learn from, he wrote a letter to Christians to encourage them in their struggles, to help them understand how to live for Christ in a hard world. So that's our big picture overview of 1 Peter. Hopefully it's given us a little perspective on this letter as a whole and will help us understand and apply the word to our lives in the coming weeks.